0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. He is just as near as he ever was, and certainly as near as you would desire for him to be. And so this morning and trying to keep trying to keep with the normalcy for our congregation, uh, we are going to continue in our discipleship series that we have been uh, teaching for the past several weeks. Uh, Last week, we started talking about we started talking about the aspect of the Holy Ghost of speaking in tongues, or if you wish to call it that first indication, that first evidence of having received the Holy Ghost. So I'd like to continue with that lesson uh, this morning. Now, if this piques your interest interest today and you're like, you know, I'd like to know what the first part of that lesson had to say, uh, you can find us. Our our venue prior to Wednesday was we had a podcast, and our podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts and Breaker, CastBox, uh, Radio Public, Anchor FM, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, just to name a few. Uh, you can find our first apostolic church if you'd wish to go back and pick up on the first half of this lesson. So far in this discipleship series, we have we have talked about the word of God. We have talked about faith and repentance and and baptism. We have talked about the Holy Ghost. And last week and now this week, we have been we're going to be talking about uh, the speaking in tongues aspect of having received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so with that being said, I'm going to turn our attention and I have a little bit of a lengthy reading here to get started. Uh, this, this kind of sets the stage and the context, if you will, for where we are coming from today. Acts chapter number 2, and I'm going to start with verse number 1. And again, this is somewhat of a lengthy reading, but just bear with me. We have, we have all the time in the world here on Sunday. Amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and there were dwelling and they were all filled with the holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus in Asia and Phygra and Pamphylia in Egypt, in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto them, "Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose in is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. So the Bible tells us that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost that they just received gave them the utterance. So this morning, we're going to talk about a second part here of speaking with tongues and continue our discipleship series this morning. Just just real quickly, just for a little bit of review from last week to kind of give people some bearing. Uh. We, we see throughout the word of the Lord that this is their first occurrence of speaking in tongues here in Acts chapter number two at the at the feast of Pentecost, where people of every language and every tongue had come together. Different nations, about 15 or so different nations were represented here. And so this is the first occurrence of this happening. And so there are some things that we covered last week that may be of importance to some people today. And that is these people of different nations and different tongues that were gathered together heard these hundred and twenty, as it were in the upper room, speak many of them in their own native language and tongue, though most of them were Galileans. They heard them speak in their language and in their tongue when they spoke uh, with 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 tongues or they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's important to denote today Uh, That whenever a person does receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they speak in other tongues, that tongue may be uh, another tongue that's in our world that that individual in particular uh, does not know. Uh, They don't know as a second language, but uh, by virtue of the spirit, they're capable of speaking in that tongue. That tongue may very well be uh, the tongue of angels. Uh, the Apostle Paul spoke in the book of Corinthians uh, whenever he was talking about love or charity, he said, though I speak of in the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. So that, that could very well be the tongue of an angel. Or it could be a total unknown tongue, one that is not founded, found here upon the world at all. But nonetheless, uh, the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost according to the word of the Lord Uh, not just in Acts 2, but also found in Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, uh, throughout the book of Acts, is the the speaking in other tongues. It's that initial first evidence. Uh, There are other evidences that come. Uh, Along the way of our Christian journey, after we receive the spirit of the Lord, uh, the fruit of the spirit begins to be manifested in one's life uh, whenever they've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And there is that developing and that maturing, that growing up, if you will, into the image uh, of Christ Jesus in our life that happens. But that initial sign, that initial evidence is speaking in other tongues. As a matter of fact, in the in Mark, the Bible even tells us that one of the signs that would follow the believers, uh, not just that they would cast out devils in his name or such, but also that they would speak with new tongues. And so all of them that were in the upper room were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Bible says by the days in uh, 3,000 that day, Uh, were were saved. And so I think this is very, very important for us. I believe it's also important to denote that this speaking in tongues in this uh, phenomenon, if you want to call it that, but this great miracle of God's spirit speaking through an individual uh, that was noised abroad. And then there was the crowd that gathered of all these different nations and such to come and inquire and listen and see what this was all about. So this, this was not a, a group of 120 people uh, that were preaching in different languages the gospel for those that were there. There was a universal language of that day, uh, a, a Grecian universal language. And you'll note that the apostle uh, Peter, whenever he spoke his message and even answered the question uh, of the, that the people had what meaneth this or men and brethren, what shall we do? Uh, he spoke to them. It was not that there were, you know, uh, 15 different languages being spoken to preach the gospel. The people gathered, amen, as a result of this, them speaking in tongues already happening. So they didn't speak in tongues in different languages as a result of the crowd. They were doing it, and the crowd came as a result of them speaking in other tongues. And so our our purpose here today, and and that's just a small little uh, review of last week. There's a whole lot more, and so I urge you, to find us on podcast, to go back and listen to that. But this morning, I think it's important today to note uh, that there are the, the instances of those receiving the Holy Ghost or what may be termed the outpouring of the spirit. Uh, but the outpouring spirit, that initial sign of receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, uh, never in scripture is referred to as, as the, the gift of, of tongues. It's referred to as the gift. It's referred to as the outpouring. It's referred to as receiving the Holy Ghost. But the gift of tongues like what 1 Corinthians chapter 14 describes is a separate gift of the spirit. So we wanna talk about that a little bit today because herein lies uh, some of the confusion uh, in the world or for that matter, even within the religious world uh, between the initial sign of receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues with the gift of tongues uh, like 1 Corinthians 14 and 12. Some of those chapters uh, tell us they're, they're for a entirely different purpose for entirely different purpose. But before we speak about that, Let's talk a little bit about the gift of the Holy Ghost that we do receive and that ability of speaking in tongues as the spirit. And I will constantly make emphasis on that as the spirit gives the utterance. Uh, It may use a man's mouth, lips, tongue and vocal cords, but it is the doing the operation of the spirit of the Lord that they have received. So after that we received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues, The spirit that we now receive resides in us. Jesus even told uh, his disciples before he ever left and ascended up into heaven, before he ever left the earth, he told them that he was with them, but he would soon be in them. And he was alluding to the gift of the Holy Ghost that they would receive. And so that gift of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God that dwells within us, and we've made mention of this, I think, when we talked about the Holy Ghost just in and of itself, uh, it will sometimes move upon us to pray in other tongues, to pray in other tongues. Uh, pray in other tongues is something that is uh, not odd or peculiar. It is something that is very well documented in the scripture. Uh, the Apostle Paul even specifically discusses the correct use of of tongues in prayer in the book of corinthians first corinthians 14 is a place that he speaks of this he says for if i pray in an unknown tongue first corinthians 14 14 for if i pray in an unknown tongue my spirit prayeth but my understanding is unfruitful what is it then i will pray with the spirit and i will pray with the understanding so the Apostle Paul is saying when I pray in an unknown tongue or I pray in tongues uh, it is the spirit that is praying uh, through me my understanding may not be fruitful in other words I might not totally understand uh, what it is I'm praying in that moment that I'm praying in tongues but he he urges us he says as a result of this it's important then to pray in the spirit pray in tongues and to also pray with our understanding or pray in your native tongue pray in the tongue that you were born uh, to to speak with or within the family that you're born to speak with. It was English, pray in English, too. So pray with your understanding and also allow the spirit of the Lord to pray through you things that you may not understand, but the spirit understands. The Bible says also in that verse, it says he says, I will sing with the spirit. Singing with the spirit again, if he talked about praying in an unknown tongue by praying with the spirit, then singing with a with the spirit should also be then singing with a unknown tongue. And he says, I will sing with my understanding also. So he's speaking about, amen, again, both of those are crucial. Both of those are vital, praying in the spirit or in tongues and praying with your understanding or your native tongue or your native language. Uh, the Holy Spirit within us will sometimes and this is what the Bible alludes to, will sometimes assist us in our prayers. And I'm I'm here to tell you uh, this morning uh, that if we ever were in a situation or time that we need some assistance in our prayers across America today, we need assistance with our prayers now. Whenever the Holy Ghost, whenever the Holy Ghost prays through you, whenever that Spirit of God prays and you pray in tongues, that is the Spirit of God. That's helping intercede and travail for whatever it may be you may be praying for aware or unaware of. And so the Bible even speaks in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, the Apostle Paul says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Amen. I talked about, when we talked about the Holy Ghost, one of the benefits, and there's more than just this one, but one of the benefits of the Holy Ghost is that it can actually, according to the word of the Lord, it can help our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. There are times, if you ever been in a situation, you just didn't know how to pray about a circumstance or how to put the words together to make your petition known to God. There's times we don't know. Uh, what we should pray for as we ought it says in Romans 8 but the spirit spirit inside us that each of us have itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So again, whenever you are praying and there are times that spirit, if you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, that spirit that you have received uh, wells up inside of you and gives you utterance in your prayer to speak in tongues, just like it gave you utterance the first time you ever received the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues. That is okay to speak in tongues, to speak in a language that you know not in prayer. And although you may not be able to understand it, God's spirit is interceding through you. It is praying about things that God for sure knows is his will to pray about things that you're not even aware of but we're making advances if you will in the kingdom of God in heaven uh, in the invisible world if you will amen that's somehow going to impact and touch a person's life and so sometimes in prayer a Spirit-filled person will be led uh, by the Spirit to pray in tongues, and that Spirit is interceding uh, through us. I'll tell you, uh, without being bashful about it this morning, here at the First Apostolic Church, we believe according to the Word of the Lord uh, of, of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives uh, the utterance. If you were to visit us, it would not be uncommon for you to hear in our services, uh, maybe someone praying, and maybe praying in uh, other tongues, and so uh, we, we, we endorse that as the scripture uh, teaches. And so uh, the Bible also tells us, though, it also tells us uh, since our understanding is unfruitful concerning these things, not all of our prayer, not all of our prayer should just be in other tongues. Uh, our spirit does pray for us, but we must pray with our understanding. And we must also pray then in those times when the spirit is praying Through us, there should be uh, portions of our prayer in our own language, our own native tongue, uh, things that we're saying that we do have knowledge of and that we do comprehend, praying for definite things that we are ourselves aware of. But we should pray with the Spirit, uh, with the unknown tongues, and also pray with our understanding. Amen. And notice what the Bible says. We don't want to miss out on the fullness of this prayer experience. So uh, let me urge you, it's important for both of those aspects to take place in our prayer life. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 and verse number 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Finally, before we go on to speak about the gift of tongues, all right, the gift of tongues, I want to tell you today, Paul also mentioned about singing with the Spirit. It is notably that even sometimes in our worship services here at the First Apostolic Church, that as people have their hands raised and they may be singing some of the songs or praising God, you may hear uh, people here and there that are speaking in tongues, even as songs many times are going forth. They are worshiping and magnifying and praising God in that tongue, in that other tongue, if you will, that operation of the Spirit. And so we we can sing... uh, in the spirit or with the spirit as well, even to the degree, I my grandmother, uh, the Lord used her. I should say, in this way, oft times uh, she would sing specials as a special song at the church. Here, uh, she's she's passed now and gone on to be with the Lord. But there would be times when she was singing. It was it's probably one of the most beautiful things uh, in my own human life. I would say probably that that to experience, uh, she would begin to sing that song in another tongue in another language she wasn't bilingual but the spirit moved upon her and uh, endued her with that ability in that moment it was the most beautiful thing praising and worshiping, magnifying God in that but we want to go on just a little bit now uh, talking about the gift of tongues uh, not the tongue that you uh, receive when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost per se but, but the gift of tongues we've been filled with the Holy Ghost and after we're filled with the Holy Ghost the spirit of the Lord in our lives has the ability to impart uh, additional gifts uh, unto us known as the gifts of the spirit in the word of the Lord in first Corinthians 14. these are note the gifts plural. They're the gifts of the spirit. Uh, They're different from the gift of the spirit, which we would call the Holy Ghost. All right. So the gifts of the spirit, these are these are abilities. These are talents. These are skills, if you will, that are bestowed upon someone uh, that 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 is filled with the spirit. And the Spirit enables their operation. The Spirit enables their operation. If you will today, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, uh, let's look at verses 4 through 10. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 10, where it speaks of these gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says, Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same gift which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning the spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So these gifts of the spirit of that list that I just read to you, these gifts of the spirit, their their uh, responsibility or their purpose as you read in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and 14 as well, there are use and purposes for blessing the body, blessing the church, edifying or building up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not given uh, to an individual for uh, selfish gain or some type of selfish blessing upon our our own selves. No, it is for the edification of the church. It is, they are gifts to be used to minister uh, to the body. The Bible describes the church as a bride. It describes her as a body, many members, but a part of the same body. One head being Christ Jesus himself. It's used to minister to the body. And with that being said, the Bible then gives us some uh, guidelines and guidance in how these gifts uh, should be should be used. And we see that written of in the in the books, in the book of Corinthians, Uh, the epistles uh, after Acts, when you get to Romans and the epistles forward, the epistles were written to written to the church or to a church, no doubt the church at large uh, in that culture and time to a particular church. But it's applicable for the church at large, even still yet today. And so in the book of First Corinthians, Paul is writing. Uh, to a people who have already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He is addressing uh, the church there at Corinth. And so he's in this moment not instructing them on how to receive the Holy Ghost, but he's giving them instruction and guidance on how to use the gifts that the spirit endows them with, that the spirit uh, gives them the ability uh, to function in. So he's giving them some instruction uh, on how to do this. And again, uh, he's, he's doing this, and, and we've got to avoid a misunderstanding of the use all right, of tongues, and he's going to help us in that. And so in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 1, Paul even says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I would not have you ignorant. And so one of the gifts of the spirit, we're not talking about that initial sign of the Holy Ghost. Now we're talking about the gift of the spirit because we want to make that distinction because sometimes there's a blurring of the line. Uh, people try to uh, there is uh, they, 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 they try to uh, what explains and guidance is for the, the gift of tongues. They tried to put on then the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so these are these are two these are two separate bodies here two two separate uh, concepts and ideas in the scripture. And so this gift of tongues this gift of tongues is spoken of in the scripture as diverse kinds of tongues. Uh, it is used to proclaim some type of divine utterance, a divine utterance. it will either be given directly to perhaps an individual at times, to a group of people, to the body or the congregation that is gathered together there. And so it's given for that purpose. Whenever we pray, Whenever we pray and we may speak in tongues when we pray or when we are in service and we're raising hands and we're just speaking in tongues, uh, we, we do that unto the Lord. We're doing that unto the Lord. We're speaking to the Lord. But when one operates in the gift of tongues, uh, they are delivering a message for other people. All right. They're delivering a message for other people or for the congregation or the body at large. All right. So the gift of tongues is speaking to other people. People And it will oftentimes whenever that is utilized, the there are two gifts here in the list of First Corinthians 12 uh, that complement one another and and work tongue and groove. That is diverse kind of tongues and to another, the interpretation of tongues. So we know that whenever uh, the gift of tongues would operate and there would be another tongue spoken, our edifying us and blessing us would only be at a certain level. If we did not understand what was being spoken or said, the other gift that complements that and works in tandem with that is the gift of the interpretation of tongues. It's the corresponding gift. If you will, the Bible says in first Corinthians 14 and verse 15, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my understanding. Also, we have looked at this. I will sing with the spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say Amen? How how would a person say? Well, so be it. That's right. Uh, at the giving of thanks, he and he understand standeth not what thou sayest. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. Paul says, yet in the church i had rather speak five words with my understanding that my voice that by my voice i might teach others also than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue and so the apostle paul is saying uh if we have tongues in the atmosphere of a service like this uh, and oftentimes, whenever the diverse gift of tongues or the gift of tongues is used in the service, uh, that volume of that individual and that speaker raises to a volume above everything else that is going on. And there is like a holy, sacred pause and silence that fills the place. And that is biblical uh, as well. And so whenever this happens, Paul says, in order for there to be edification for the church, then we must understand what is being said. There's There must be an interpretation. Uh, that's coupled with that uh, for understanding. So Paul says, I'm not just going to come through the church and just blast all this because to the unlearned, they're not going to understand what's being said or what's being spoken. He says, I'm going to speak with my understanding. I'm going to speak in English, he says, because only can... They benefit, only can those that are gathered benefit if there is a interpretation, if it is the gift of tongues. Now, we by no means disallow someone in their praise and worship just to be speaking in tongues, you know, over there speaking to God for themselves. But there is a distinct difference when that is taking place and there's coming a message in tongues uh, in our services. uh, There is a distinct difference. Uh, the, The Apostle Paul He's saying while we need personal prayer and to pray in tongues and that's biblical and that's fine, he's saying it's desirable uh, that whenever they're speaking in tongues for the addressment of the body or the addressment of the church, it is desirable then that there would be a interpretation of that tongue. The Bible says in first Corinthians 14 and verse 22, "Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? Again, we must take this first Corinthians fourteen and apply it to the gift of tongues. We are not speaking of the tongues that come with the initial uh, infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said the tongues that come forth are for a sign, they can only be truly beneficial to those that are there, then The gift, the use of the gift of tongues, if there is a interpreter, amen, to them that believe not. It's for a sign to them, not to them that believe, but for them that believe not. Those that believe, those that participate in those type of things, they know well what is going on. But to them that believe not, it will come forth as a sign. And whenever it's interpreted, then there is understanding. If there's people that are unlearned and unbelievers, it will not going to benefit them If there isn't a interpretation, all right, they will no doubt say that those folks are just mad and they are they are crazy if there's this holy silence and someone speaking boisterous in a unknown tongue. But when there is a interpretation that brings meaning. Uh, edification to the body as a result that is proper so we we we're not we are not endorsing by no means please understand we are not endorsing chaos we are not endorsing confusion uh, in our public services the Bible tells us that everything should be done uh, decent and in order in our preaching our worship our exhortation everything that takes place uh, but what I'm saying is this we don't just come in here and uh, get lost in the spirit and just preaching tongues, sing all our songs and so- tongues to Take prayer requests in tongues. No, Uh, but if the spirit of the Lord would move and the operation of the gift of tongues would wish to exercise, we will uh, be respectful of the spirit of the Lord and pray that uh, uh, there would be an interpretation of tongues. So the body, so the church, so the group, whoever it may be, that's gathered there would be edified. And so whenever an individual gives a message in tongues in a public setting, moved by the spirit. I am confident when that happens, God, God, God knows what he's doing uh, far better than what we would wish to give him credit sometimes. But if God gives a message in tongues, I am confident that there is an interpretation of the tongue uh, that is present. And so the tongues then become a sign to the unbeliever. And all the hearers through the interpretation are edified and brings understanding to those that are gathered there. Now, Paul goes on to say that the gift of tongues should be used in a a, a diplomatic, decent manner in our public services. Uh, He tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 27, he says, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, again, this is speaking about the gift of tongues, All right. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three and that by course. Or in other words, uh, whenever you speak about that by course, that word course means one of the constitute. Parts of the whole, uh, let it be by one or by two. If one speaks in tongues, let it be in succession. If another would before an interpretation or three before an interpretation. But 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 that by course, let them be in succession. Let them all be parts, if you will, of the whole by most three. And then he says, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him let him. All right. Keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to god so what we're speaking of here the gift of tongues differing from that initial infilling of the holy ghost that you receive and speaking in tongues uh what takes place in these moments that Paul is describing 1 Corinthians 14 of course is is different from what took place on the day of Pentecost and from what took place in the house of Cornelius of Acts chapter number 10 uh, where large groups received the Holy Ghost. When those large groups received the Holy Ghost you had all of those 120 that were speaking in tongues. You had Cornelius and his household that were speaking in other tongues but in these sovereign moments There is not a grouping of people at the same time speaking in tongues, but there is a individual that's being used by the spirit in that moment. Amen. Speaking in tongues. And again, we are praying for an interpretation. Amen. Because whenever those spirit, Field believers at Pentecost in Cornelius' house, so to speak, uh, were speaking in tongues. They were speaking to God and worshiping God, no doubt, for being filled with the Holy Ghost. And the bystanders and the onlookers, they heard them speak in tongues. And uh, the believers were were not addressing their utterances specifically to those that had gathered. Uh, They were directing that wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And so, the gift of tongues, uh, by many scholars, has been even classified as a, a gift of utterance. And it's to be used to bless and, again, to edify the body when it's operated uh, decently and in order. I'd like to turn your attention now to uh, the concept of speaking in tongues in history. And I'll I'll try to denote uh, these different resources from which uh, this comes from. And when it is speaking about uh, speaking in tongues, as far as the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost or the gift of tongues, as is spoken of in First Corinthians 12 and 14. Uh, For instance, uh, referring to the Holy Ghost and the tongues that come with that, the Encyclopedia Britannica uh, states that glossolalia, which which is a scholarly, uh, religious way, even maybe politically correct way of denoting speaking in tongues, that glossolalia recurs in Christian revivals of every age. That's the 1944 edition, volume 22 and page 283, if you want to look that up. Philip Schaaf, a well-known church historian, who authored the eight-volume work, The History of the Apostolic Church, He asserts, and he's speaking about the tongues that come with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He says, speaking with tongues, however, was not confined to the day of Pentecost. He says, we find traces of it still in the second and third centuries. Irenaeus, uh, who lived from about 115 to 202 A.D., was a pupil of polycarp who was himself a disciple of the apostle John. This is speaking about the gift of tongues. He says in like manner, we do also hear many brethren in the church who possess prophetic gifts and who through the spirit speak all kinds of languages and bring to light for the general benefit, the hidden things of men and declare the mysteries of God, whom also the apostles term spiritual also, uh, augustine uh, 354 to 430 a.d speaking of the holy ghost he says we still do what the apostles did when they laid hands on the samaritans and called down the holy spirit on them by the laying on of hands this is what he said in that hour in that time frame it is expected that converts should speak with new tongues Amen. Also, during the Dark Ages, there were those who also spoke in tongues. Speaking of the Holy Ghost, amen. What meaneth this? A book called What Meaneth This by Brumback, page 92. He says, from the 12th to the 15th centuries, there were revivals in Southern Europe in which many spoke in other tongues. Foremost among these revivalists were the Waldenese and the Abiganese. Amen. People. Also, from Dwight L. Moody's Trials and Triumphs book of faith. There's a quotation regarding some of the peasant uh, congregations of, of, of Baptists in a certain province of Russia, and they're talking about the gift of tongues. He says the gift of tongues is heard quite often in the meetings, especially in the villages, but also in the towns here at revel. The pastor of the Baptist church tells us that they often speak out in his meetings. They are most often uttered by young women, less frequently by men, and when they are interpreted, they are found to mean Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is near. Be ready. Be not idle. When they are heard, unbelievers who may be in the audience are greatly awed. A gentleman who was present on one occasion was deeply impressed by the fact that that those who spoke were quite ordinary people until they were uplifted and, as it were, by a trance, and then they spoke with so much fluency and refinement uh, throughout the history. Of The world and Christian world, for that matter, speaking tongues is well documented among Christian groups of years gone by. Uh, in the 1500s, the Anabaptists uh, were denoted as speaking in tongues. The Quakers in the 1600s, the Methodists in the 1700s, the Lutherans and Irvingites in the 1800s. Of course, the Pentecostals in the 1900s with Topeka, Kansas and, and the revival that swept across the land in those days. Unless we start to believe even this this morning that well speaking in tongues. Brother McGee was great for the day of Pentecost uh, for those various nations. That was a phenomenon to happen just in that moment in time. Or perhaps that's a phenomenon, Brother McGee, that just happened through the Bible in the book of Acts at different modes, at different times for different people groups. And so it was kind of an introductory occurrence, really, Pastor McGee for them. Well, folks, I, I want to explain to you that Acts 19 within itself. Uh, I think reveals to us that the Holy Ghost in speaking in tongues was not just an introductory occurrence for the Jewish group or for the Samaritan group or for the Gentile group. Uh, One may believe that if you were to look at Acts 2 and say, well, that 120 in the upper room, uh, predominantly a Jewish setting of people, and so that happened for them. Or you might look at Acts chapter number 10, Cornelius and his household, Gentiles, and say, well, it happened because that's an introduction for them. Or Acts 8 with the Samaritans and the great revival uh, with Philip and Peter and John and say, well, that was for the Samaritans' introductory occurrence for them. But in Acts 19... Whenever the apostle Paul was around the place of Ephesus and he found some disciples of John and he asked them if they received the Holy Ghost since they believed. And they said, we've not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost." and he ends up praying for them and he ends up baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ and the Bible says they received the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues they were from Ephesus they were predominantly a Jewish set of people and so if it was just for an introductory occurrence to a people group then it happened again in Acts 19 to a people it already happened to and can I declare this morning that it's still happening today God just as Joe said is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh and they will still speak in new tongues as the spirit of god gives the utterance it is it is it is no surprise this morning to me according to god's word Why he would choose uh, speaking in other tongues as an initial sign or allow the Holy Ghost to give the utterance to tongues or why he would use the tongue. According to the book of James in the New Testament, the book of James, the Apostle James speaks to us concerning that member of our body called the tongue. It is a small member in comparison to many other members of our body. But the tongue... It has the ability, if you will, to control and direct even the ability to defile our whole body. Look, if you will, with me at James chapter number three in verse number two. For in many things we offend all, James says, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Now, look at this. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which, though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, wheresoever the governoreth listeth. Even so, the tongue. He's made an analogy, a comparison here for us. Even so, the tongue is a little member a little member if you will just just as the bit that's in the horse's mouth just as that 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 rudder or that governor that's directing a large ship even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things behold how great a little matter a little fire kindleth and the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity so is the tongue among our members that it defileth The whole body. So it's telling us this small, what would seem to be very insignificant member of our body has the capability of defiling our whole body and set up on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. So this small little member of our body has the capability of defiling our whole body, has the ability, if you will, of control, even as a horse's bit would be in the mouth or as a governor would guide and direct a ship. And so before an individual can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is imperative that, that man or woman surrender his or her whole body, whole being unto the Lord. And it is not uncommon for the last member of the human body to surrender to be that that vile, that that world of iniquity, uh, little tongue, you might call it, that is in our mouths to surrender to God. Because the fact of the matter is this. No man contained the tongue. And in our everyday living, we understand that every time that you said something and you wish you could recollect what you said is proof that you can't tame your own tongue. No man can tame his tongue. The Bible says in James 3, 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And so no man can tame the tongue. So whenever you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that spirit comes inside of you and then gives utterance, Uh, to other tongues, and you begin to speak in other tongues, and that's using your mouth, your lips, your vocal cords, you know that the Lord uh, has control, if you will, of your life and your being, and that you are no doubt fully surrendered unto God whenever you begin to speak in other tongues. There is a taming, if you will, that's taken place uh, that mortal man cannot do, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. It's by the spirit of the Lord. And so whenever we talk about speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, it is the universal evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter if you are in America or if you are in a third world country. It doesn't matter. You could talk uh, to missionaries abroad. Whenever people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, amen, they speak in another Tongue, regardless of their race, their culture, their education level, or even of their financial status. Uh, no, not everybody is going to react the same emotionally whenever they receive the Holy Ghost. They may not even react the same physically as far as what they're doing with their hands or their feet or what the countenance is upon their face. But everyone who receives the spirit will speak in tongues as the spirit gives the utterance. Whenever Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter number three. And Nicodemus was being inquisitive about uh, a man being born again. And the Lord told him he must be born of the water and of the spirit, or he cannot enter and he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus explained it to, to, to Nicodemus this way. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound. Please underscore that. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell where it cometh. Whence it cometh and whether it goeth. And here's what he says. This is what Jesus said. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. He said, so is everyone that is born of the spirit. He said, everyone that is born of the spirit is, is comparable to that wind that bloweth where it desires. You don't know where it's coming or whether it's going, but you do hear the sound. You do hear the sound thereof. And so if everyone that is born of the Spirit has that same likeness, there is going to be some, there's going to be a sound that's going to be ushered forth whenever you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's going to be that utterance of speaking in other tongues. Amen. And so speaking in tongues, it is a very spiritual, spiritual manifestation. Revealing that God's spirit is working within the hearts and lives of the men and women who have received him. Uh, It was one of the signs, as I said earlier, that would follow the believers. Uh, It is for our generation just as much as it was for Paul and Peter and Matthew's generation. Uh, These things both the the gift of the holy ghost and the gift of tongues as first corinthians 12 and 14 speak these things have not stopped they have not ceased. Uh, some would like to say they have ceased, uh, but they have not ceased. first corinthians 13 and 8 says and, and and verse 10 as well and i may skip around just a little here but the bible says but where there be prophecies they shall fail and whether there be tongues they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Note now, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which in part, that which is in part, shall be done away from. Folks, it's not stopped, it's not seized. It will in a day, it will in a day, but that day is not yet come. When that perfect one does come, Uh, Whenever he which is perfect, whenever the Lord comes back for his church, whenever he comes back for his people, uh, that which we now do in part prophesy tongues, all these things, the knowledge that we have, the apostle said we we see through a glass darkly. So the, our knowledge is skewed. We only, there's it's only there's only a little bit. There's a part. We are partially knowledgeable. So we do these things apart. He says, we see through a glass darkly. But an, in that day, speaking of the day that the Lord comes back for his people, then we shall see clearly. Amen. And so all these things that are done in part now, amen, yeah, they're going to seize at some point in time. Amen. But that point has not yet come. Uh, knowledge, uh, uh, that partial knowledge has not even yet vanished among us Uh, but when he who is perfect come uh, it will be done away with in that moment and so until that time until that time God's church is going to continue exactly as she began until that time it's going to continue just exactly as it was started amen in the book of Acts amen And I I know that to be the will of the Lord amen you read throughout the book of Acts you see people receiving the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues amen magnifying God you see throughout then even the epistles amen guidance on how to use the gift then amen differing from the the Holy Ghost tongues but the gift of tongues for the edification and for the blessing of the church then I, I want to be what, what what was started on Pentecost 33 AD thereabouts I want to continue amen with that daily because God's Spirit is continuing to be poured out upon all flesh researchers even say each week that there are several several thousands of individuals around the world that are receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues for the first time amen and I want to be a part of that number it's biblical. It's biblical, and I want to be a part, amen, of that number uh, this morning. Amen. I'm going to pray this morning over us. There may be some people in your homes right now, amen, that that perhaps you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Perhaps you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost and spoken tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I'm here to tell you today, and I've said this more than once, God doesn't know any social distancing. Uh, We're here right now, and you may be in your homes, but God, the Spirit of the Lord can reach down to where you are. You do not have to be in a church building to receive the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be in a church building. You don't have to be where a pastor is or where uh, a missionary is, so on and so forth. In the confines of your home, you can raise up your hands even this morning, amen, and seek after that spirit of God, and he can fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray right now uh, over us, those that are in their homes right now. Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit, God, that you didn't leave us comforter comfortless, but you sent us a comforter, God, which is the Holy Ghost, John 14 said. I pray, oh God, I want that Holy Ghost alive and vibrant in my life I pray oh God I want to submit myself and yield my members and surrender myself unto the Lord I pray oh God today if there's people sitting in their homes this morning that may be inquisitive God about this gift of the Holy Ghost I pray oh Lord you said blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled I pray God in their home this morning you're able Lord Jesus God to visit them you know no bounds or limitations you're able to minister Lord God to their souls you able to minister God. God, to their lives, God, that gift that they receive can be a helper, Lord, of their infirmities and a helper, God, to them, Lord, during these trying times, Lord, in our world. I pray, oh, God, today, minister to them now. Lord, you know no bounds, and your spirit, Lord, covers and fills all. I pray, oh, God, pay them a visitation today and will not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you for being here with us here at the First Apostolic Church in our life. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.